Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, and welcome back to Realistic Sustainability. I'm Mike, and I'm here with Nick. Hello, sir. How are you? <laughs> good. How are you today? Tired, but good. I know. I had to chase you down. I had to ch- all the way to the moment you came in the house. Like you're probably pull, pulling in the driveway, and I'm like, "Can you record now? Can you record now? Can you record now?" That kind of sums it up. Yeah, uh, it's been a busy couple of days, so I'm glad to actually be home. Well, it's good to have you back here with me. I feel like we just don't do this enough. <laughs> No, no, we don't. We don't do it nearly enough. At least recently, at least. But so uh, yesterday we had concert in the streets in Duran, and I kept getting, you know, getting on you. You got to cook here. You got to cook here. You're like, I can do excellent quesadilla for just a few dollars. So I had to take a picture of the one that I was forced to eat because it was twelve dollars for a quesadilla. And I gotta tell you, I was missing you. I I bet you were. You showed me the picture. It was pretty pretty sad looking. Like it looked like something that you could make at home if you were like you know out of anything to eat in your fridge. It didn't look very good. Yep. So I had to make sure I sent you the photo so you knew the kind of competition that was out there. Uh, all we had was, of course, the local restaurants, but then just two food trucks, a taco truck, and that the barbecue place from down the street brought their trailer over. Um, out of curiosity, what kind of meat was in that quesadilla? Uh, that was steak. Oh, so roast beef, gotcha. It was, Jamie got a chicken one, and it, I think they have beef, chicken, and steak, which I think beef and steak are the same thing, but. Well, in, in terms of quesadilla, they really are. It's, steak is a, uh, a, what I call a money-making word when it comes to Mexican food, but really, like, you're not going to take a steak and slow cook it until it's, like, fall apart tender. Not a good steak, not a ribeye or something. You're gonna eat it as a steak. What they do is they take like top sirloins or top pieces of top round, and they marinate them, and they slow cook them and shred them, or they, they cut them into small pieces. And they, I'm not saying it doesn't taste good; they're delicious. But calling a steak is just people trying to get money. I'm thinking next year we've got to have this. We got to get you out. Yeah, it would be nice. It would be nice to be able to and have that flexibility. It'd be nice that I have to have this day job that I have that I loathe. Yep. So that's one of those things that will help you get rid of it. So I'm talking about food here so that I can transition. Remember, I've been working on this whole concept of transitioning. For all of you listening, we're actually recording this as a video to the point where I can uh, pretty soon start putting out some videos. So you'll get to see the funny faces that Nick makes at me or the distraction things he does to me or my just complete loss of thought, especially while closing. Yeah, it is kind of funny to watch you get ready to close a show and then it's like your brain buffers, but your mouth doesn't stop moving. It's hilarious. <laughs> I never, it's horrible. It's horrible. But this week I can transition because I started talking about food and now I can slide over into our topic, which is California's food waste solution that they came up with. It was towards the end of last year, but it started January 1st of this year. Okay. Okay. I'm not actually familiar with it. So I'd like you to kind of give me a rundown real quick. Sure, sure. And it's fun. If you Google this, it's actually State Bill 1383. 
Okay. And you will find a plethora of websites on either side of the conversation. It gives you a very diverse opinion. I did go to the bill itself to see what the information is because it doesn't always reflect in the other websites. And what they focus on is two different aspects. One, companies like grocery stores or large food providers okay. are now required to donate up to 25% of edible safe. So what they're saying is, is if the apple has a blemish, it's still okay. It can go off to, you know, a food pantry or kitchen or whoever they want to make a deal with to receive it. But it can't be rotted, obviously. That still has to get thrown out. Okay. That's one side of it. The next side is for, so that's the kind of the commercial side of the bill. On the residential side of the bill, if there's now a requirement you pay to recycle. You you can no longer throw your food waste in the standard trash. It goes into a separate bin. And the more you have, the more you would end up having to pay towards it. So actually, let me let me correct that. I'm thinking of another country that does that. In California, it's just part of the same tax that they have for this program. It's a flat rate, and you just have a bin that you put everything into, and they dump it into a truck, and that truck takes it back for, in a sense, recycling or composting. Mm -hmm. So the two aspects are commercial has to give up to 25%. It's not at least 25%. It's up to 25%. There was no minimum, which means it doesn't mean that people necessarily have to comply. And the residential side, there was a a small tax increase to add another bin so that all your food waste goes in that bin and not your standard trash. Okay. Okay. So this was... This was done for a couple of different reasons. Number one, we all have heard on this show over and over again, in the United States, we waste up to 40% of all the food produced. They, California has decided that this is, number one, an action for climate change to be able to help curb the emissions because when organics make it into a landfill, you end up with a lot of methane. Number two, it was to greatly reduce food waste, that 40% to help keep Californians from from having to buy more food for all the food they've wasted. Number three, excess food can go to people who can use it or want to use it. And then last of all, it is allowing compost. They're using that compost to give free to local farming because they're having a hard time continuing to gain good nutrient ground without without massive amounts of spray. So now this this, uh, compost is used locally to help feed the, the fields. Okay. Self-admittedly, completely ignorant to all this. Um, I don't know if I understand the benefit of the compost one because you had just said about four or five minutes ago, so it doesn't go in the landfill and break down and release a bunch of methane, but if you compost it, it does the same thing. Um, so that is very confusing to me. Other than that, I think it's a real good initiative. And I think that anything that reduces the amount of waste that we have here is going to be a net plus. And also, and this is the most important part, the, the part like you would mention about grocery stores and like blemishes and stuff, that's always aided me. It always always drove me crazy because they do that. They want to sell the best looking product so people buy it. And it justifies the amount of profit margin they have when they jack the prices up. So not that we're in California because we're the furthest thing from California. But when I go to buy bell peppers from Gordon Food Service, the, the colored 
bell peppers, orange, red, yellow, the rainbow ones. If you buy a six pack of those peppers where it's two orange, two red, and two yellow, it's 11 to $12. Or you can buy a assorted case of 60 of them, which is 20 of each color for $47. So if you have 60 peppers for $47, if you just take that those 60 peppers, those same 60 peppers, and multiply that by 10, which is how many of those packs you would get, you have to equal the same amount. The price difference is triple. Mm-hmm. And it... I find it to be kind of ridiculous because even with those things, if, if they blemish or if they start to bruise or start to go bad, they just get chucked. Yeah. And it's not that the pepper's not good. It's still delicious. It's just not perfect looking. You know, when it comes to apples, I've said it time and time again, one of my favorite apples to bake with is called a Northern Spy. It is an incredibly tart apple and it's, they're uglier than sin. They're not a pretty apple. They do blemish. They, they do have like, you know, imperfections on them, but they're beautiful to cook with. Like the flavor, the depth of flavor they give made goods is out of this world. So I like the initiative. I think that it's a step in the right direction. Well, and you got to remember, I, again, I've been kind of getting some time to watch some documentaries. And one of the things that they talk about, you can only sell that perfect fruit or that perfect vegetable. So that requires a massive amount of pesticides and herbicides. And, you know, you're constantly putting nutrient on the plant. So you're really inundating these plants with nonstop chemical mixes because you have to get the perfect fruit or the perfect vegetable. Where do we really have to have that? And this is what they're talking about in California is, hey, just because it's been on the shelf for four days and the law says it has to be thrown away, it's not bad food. We can give that to people who need it. And what they're doing is working with the local food pantries and things of that nature. Because remember, it is a problem for food pantries when you and I hand them one can of something, because it's really hard to feed 100 people when you have a bunch of one cans. But when a supermarket can give you bushels of fruits and vegetables, it becomes very useful. And that's what they're doing here in California. Instead of those going to the dumpster or all of it going to the dumpster, at least some of it, and they say up to 25%, I'm sure they can give more. But then it is, their hope is to reduce the amount of food waste in California by 20% on the the commercial side. Well, I think that it's it's a good hope. But I think that they, at least in my opinion, just from hearing from what you said, I think that the best place for that kind of food are like soup kitchens. I think that, and I, I mean this when I say this, I think that if soup kitchens are generally, you know, subsidized by the government, they definitely, you know, paid a certain amount of money to just to exist. They should, how do I word this? They should be a little, a little more structured. And I'm sure that every city is, is different. I'm sure every specific soup kitchen is going to be very different. Some are probably really good and some are probably really bad, but my thought process would be that instead of having all these, 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 fruits and vegetables go to food pantries which i'm not opposed to that it's great but there's still a relatively high risk that those those foods get wasted because if you get a bushel or you get a bag of green peppers or or orange peppers or any type of produce really oranges apples whatever from a food pantry unless you have a large family you know what are the odds you're going to eat all of it before it goes bad anyways so you might actually still end up wasting it. But if, if a soup kitchen gets it, in theory, they should be able to break it down as a raw product and cook it and utilize it. Or, and, and this is the part I love, you know, preserve it, store it, can it for later on, freeze it, whatever it takes. Well, and that That's was one done. of the things I saw from one of the soup kitchens was that it allowed them to do that. So when they got an overabundance of one thing, mm-hmm. the peppers, I think if you're on what, what they were talking about, they would slice it up and then blanch them and freeze them you know and then they would have these bags that they could put with soft peppers into other foods like things that you're going to cook a pepper down anyways that's what they 
at least in the article was talking about. I, I assume they can do the same thing with green. I know beans, you know, so there's tomatoes that they can stew and turn into sauces. There's a lot of things that can be done with that excess food. Well, I mean, for lack of having a nice way to say this, any any product that you like, any processed product that you enjoy in the shelf, you can make it your house. So with that being said, if you have a kitchen staff that's trained properly in a soup kitchen, they could take raw products and make delicious food. So there isn't really like a limit to it. Now, are there some things that are just chemically perfect because they're packed so full of preservatives that you'll never get the flavor you want out of a certain name brand? Yeah, that does happen, unfortunately. But can you still make dynamite pasta sauces with fresh tomatoes? Yes. Can you make amazing, amazing, amazing delicious pastries with flowers and, and different fruits? Yes. Yes, you can. Is it better to use an apple and a baked good? Maybe freeze it first before it gets thrown away? Yes. Yes, it is. Like, it's... There's so many things you can do with in simple things, not even like really hard food, just simple, good, delicious comfort foods that there's no reason it should get wasted. Well, and one of the things as I was searching through sites, it, there was a lot of sites dedicated to trying to stop the bill prior to its approval and kind of criticizing it now. But I couldn't figure out why. They would say things like, oh, it's still going to get wasted. You will cause issues with food kitchens if you don't give the right amount. You know, you'll give them enough kind of thing. But all those are what ifs. If the soup kitchen gets to work with that supermarket, then they know what they're taking and what they're not taking. But they don't assume that in these sites. And I couldn't figure out like the root cause of why they didn't want the bill to pass through those sites. Usually a lot of times you can just tell okay, they're on this side or that side, or they think this or that. I couldn't figure it out, but it was weird to read it, knowing that they're leaving some things out because it seems like a pretty good idea. It's not the first time this has happened. This is California copying other countries. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a situation where a state has learned from other countries long after they've done it and made their mistakes and fixed it and changed it. Once these other countries started to do it and do it successfully, California adopted it. So I really wasn't sure why I was seeing negative. Well, I think that I'm going to say something that I believe I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to believe Oh, I so many things I want to say. Sorry, I'm getting frustrated <laughs> myself. For the listeners, this happens a lot. My brain gets twisted. My tongue gets twisted and they do not do anything but tie each other in knots. So I'm going to say this and this is what I believe about this and I believe it about every single thing that we've ever talked about, every type of political topic, every type of you know sustainability topic. I believe there are too many people in the world that don't understand that a little bit is better than nothing. I honestly mean that when I say that when people identify a problem and they rally against it and they stand up like, we don't like this. When someone says, hey, here's a solution. It's not a perfect solution. It doesn't fix the problem, but it lessens the effect it has. In, in unanimously, they're like, that's not good enough. Well, unfortunately, we don't have a magic wand. So you have to do little by little. You got to take these little steps until eventually you get where you want to be. There is no magic solution. There is no fix-all. There's never going to be something that makes everyone happy at the same time. We're humans. We're individuals. That's life. It just is the way it is. Unfortunately, too many people fight against the wrong things because they just don't understand that. Now, in terms of soup kitchens and, and the argument about them having not enough or too much, um, I used to donate when I worked at Black Forest. We donated to the East Side Soup Kitchen of Saginaw. Every week, we would, we would have excess food from catering that either was prepped or was prepared and then never used 
maybe we panned up 700 pieces of chicken and only ended up taking five. Whatever the reason was, we had excess food. And they came and they got a donation every, sorry, every Tuesday. But on the second Tuesday of every month, we prepared them a hot meal and took it in to feed them. And the only reason I bring that up is I'm going to tell you that you said Soup Kitchen, it's a nice facility. It's called, oh, I think it's called Saginaw Hunger Solutions is the name on the building. It's got a big dining room. It sits like uh, 300 people or so. But the back of the house is something that people don't understand. When people hear Soup Kitchen, they have this this terrible mental image of like, you know, like this place serving slop and they barely have enough. No, they have tons of food. In, in, and I mean this when I say this. Not tons of fresh food, not tons of great products, but they have tons of food. When you walk into that that receiving bay, you come through the big 14-foot door, and you look to the left as you walk towards the kitchen, there are pallets and pallets and pallets, literally thousands of pieces of food, cans and cereal bars and candies and cakes and little Debbies, tons of garbage. And most of it is garbage. So most of it's preserved. It's preservative packed. And, and there are things that were um, produced in too high a qu- like quantity. So instead of disposing of it, they wrote it off as a donation donated to the soup kitchen. Some of the stuff is outdated. A lot of it's not. What it is, though, is it's what happens when a company says, OK, this is what we did last year. This is what we had to produce. And they miss their number by a large margin. And so what they do, they have to do something with the product. So the soup kitchens are packed full of this garbage. And so when they have no other option, when they have no fresh product to really give people a good meal, they have to give that stuff out. There'll never be a day where the soup kitchen doesn't have food, but there could be a day where they don't have the right kinds of foods if more states don't start doing what California is doing. Because we really, and it, it was shocking to me, it, I am someone who eats a lot of junk food, but to walk in there and know they serve three hot meals a day, and I'm looking at 15 cases of, um, you know, chewy bars and i'm looking at 35 cases of you know campbell's chicken noodle soup and i'm just looking at these and pallets are stacked taller than i am and i'm like wow they have a lot of food here but i wouldn't eat any of it like really not not as part of a balanced meal but they're just donations from factories donations from places that you know either had too much or needed to get rid of it bread's another one pallets and pallets and pallets of bread like it's insane. Well, and you, it's all that food and all those calories, but nutrient starved is probably the best way I can say that. Now, when we were talking about when you were talking about how people want the full fix, they want an answer, a solution, and it's done. And if we don't get it, it's not good enough. It's really no different than as I was putting this studio together, we started putting out TikToks, and the very first comment we had was something talking negatively about the space that I'm in. And, mm-hmm. you know, I do have marble toys behind me. I do have some sound detonating on the walls. And they were absolutely correct. But this is the place that we have this conversation. This is the place where we can spread the word and have these conversations. And I want this to be my little space, my little corner of, you know, where I record. And they did give us that opportunity to remind people about little bit, little bit, big bit. That, yes, I have this. But we also build edible landscape project. We also educate people on California's food waste laws. We, we do these things to get us all ahead a little bit more in our knowledge base, not change every tiny aspect to a perfect situation because there isn't one. I agree. There isn't a perfect situation. And what bothered me the most about that, and I'm going to say this now in case either one of those people just feel they need to stumble upon this, they're too wrapped up with the aesthetics of what they see instead of actually listening to the message or realizing the actions that are being taken. 
And that bothered me more than anything. I don't give a I don't give a rat's butt what you look like. I mean, part of me wants to be real petty and film this in the middle of the forest, you know, sitting in a big circle of flowers surrounded by ferns. Yeah, that's how petty I want to be because I think it's ridiculous. It doesn't honestly, Michael, you have a handful of things behind you, a couple of roots. I see an Iron Man mug. I see some kind of pop figure like it. Yeah, those exist. They existed with or without this podcast. They Those are not made for you. We're not saying that people aren't allowed to enjoy some stuff. All the point is, is that, you know, we want to make small changes that don't affect our daily life to where it makes us miserable and we undo them. Small things, little bit, little bit, big bit. That is the premise of it. And that is the point. And I am sorry to anyone that doesn't understand that. If we don't do a good enough job saying that every seven minutes, every episode, we will try harder because I don't want people to be upset about the things they see. Yeah. And there are points. You're surrounded by, by foam. You're right. It is very, very bad for the environment. It will probably never decompose. It will outlive both of us. That is correct. Mm-hmm. It is, is absolutely. They're not wrong. I When I when I responded to that video, I was sitting inside of a vehicle that was running. Yeah. yeah, And I think that maybe that's where some of these fights on the sites and the arguments about laws, maybe, maybe that's where some of it comes from. But I think what California has mandated, and maybe that's why they don't like it, because it was mandated. But... It, it does more good for the for the overall state and community than just about anything else, even from putting the nutrients back on the farm field so that we can continue to grow because we are starving the nutrients out of our land. We are pulling it and then we're comp- where we're just throwing it into landfills and it's not breaking down correctly. We're not getting, you know. It's not getting reused. All this nutrient just disappears. We end up with dirt instead of soil over time. Matter of fact, the World Health Organization is talking about the possibility of no longer being able to fully farm land that we farm now after 2050 because of uh, nutrient starvation. So we want to take that compost and re-spread it and put it back on that land, preferably not even till, just laid on that land, maybe even some clover seed, you know, (laughs) and just start regenerating the land that we have or we won't have food. And that's why we do edible landscape because we're trying to put food regionally or locally so that you're not always pulling from these massive farms because there will come a time that we can't use them if we're not careful. Well, I agree with that, but I also, I'm going to read something real quick before I open my mouth. Okay. Just want to make sure I understood that. Um, I agree with that. And I think as a chef and as a person, as a consumer, it's very hard for me to say openly, even though it is how I feel, that that would be the best option because it would be. Honestly, it would be the best option for people to go back to eating things seasonally, to eating things locally, to learning how to preserve what you can as long as you can, but more importantly, learning how to enjoy what you have when you have it and get over this mindset of, hey, it's the middle of February. I could really go for some strawberries. Like that's not, it's not, that's not sustainable. If there's anything that I can, you know, jump on the fire and brimstone, let's eat the bugs and live in the pods mentality, it's that. I don't, I don't like that. I don't like commercial agriculture. I don't like how the government says, hey, you have to produce this much food. And they go, well, we accidentally made this much. Throw it away. Right. But we may throw it away. They do it with milk. They do it with any type of produce. Like it's it's, it's horrendous. Cherries. Oh, my Lord. In Traverse City, you should see the amount of tra- cherries that are wasted every season. It would make your head spin. And there's plenty of places for that stuff to go. There is. And then to go back with what you were saying, if we kill all the nutrients in the soil, if we turn it all into dirt, does anyone remember the Dust Bowl? Mm-hmm. Anyone at all? Like that can happen again. 
all it takes is a ton of dead dirt and a lot of wind without without good nutrients in the soil on top of the fact your plants won't survive they're gonna die but here's the part people don't really you know kind of pay mind to the plants would hold your ground together the roots hold the dirt in place when a huge windstorm a tornado comes through and knocks a huge tree down and the tree falls you see exactly how big that root system is what's it covered with thousands of pounds of dirt like it's this massive pile because it's what holds everything in place that's what stops rivers from pulling all the dirt away from the shore it trees and plants and if that goes away the ground below our very feet will go away with it. It'll crumble. Am I being a little bit dramatic on this? I absolutely am, but I'm doing it to illustrate a point. If we don't continue to try to change things, if we just go with, you know, go with the flow and keep doing things the way that we've been doing them, we're going to repeat the same problems we've done in the past. We're going to wipe out all the nutrients in all our fields, and we are going to strip all of the health from our land. Yeah. So, and you're right, the, the vegetation is your erosion protection. So all these fields that till, it lets sit. In the meantime, some of their topsoil blows away because they have no no means of retaining it because they've tilled everything up and there is no vegetation there and they've they've tilled it time and time and time again. Where regenerative farming, you don't till, you leave things growing there to hold in that nutrients. And at least what California here is is doing is trying to put some nutrient back into the system. Is it a fix for everything? Does it solve the problem? Absolutely not. Because me throwing a few uh, scraps into a container and then having them throw it into a pile isn't going to be enough to solve the problem. But at least it gives us some nutrient back into that soil so we can continue to grow. It, it buy us a little more time. Other states aren't even considering it. Yeah. And, and that is one of the good things about California. California is very forward thinking about a lot of this stuff. Um, I always make fun of California because I do think that everything in California seems to be a little more accentuated than what is the rest of the country. But in this regard, I, I do agree with, with them because California itself isn't exactly a, a hospitable place for a lot of different things. They have to redirect water from certain parts of it to other parts just for things to grow. So, I mean, it's not like it's without its own faults or without its own, you know, hardships and struggles, but they're, they're honestly trying to make, make a change and to do things for the better. And I, I salute them for that. Yeah. So this started January 1st of this year. So they're just starting. And currently it was estimated that 23 million tons of organics are landfilled every year, trapped in landfills every single year. The goal is to re to reduce the amount of organics in the landfills by at least 50% by the end of this year. That 50% will make it in the right bin, the other 50% will make it in the wrong bin, or it's held on their property. Like, I know that there's people who keep their food waste, especially hopefully people who listen to us, and kind of till it into their garden space, you know, or compost it on their own. So I see what they're saying. They're giving themselves an easily reachable goal that 50% of that organics that is going to con or going to landfill will now go to compost. I think it's a great idea. And I, I think that you mentioned that, you know, people leave in there keeping their own food waste. I do that. Not everything, but a lot of it, a lot of it goes to our chickens. I use my food to feed my food. If that makes any kind of sense. <laughs> yeah. 
and it, it works out for us. It, it works out really well. It reduces the amount of money we spend on chicken feed, which honestly, chicken feed is mostly just grains and you know, a lot of corn. And that's not really all that great. It, it also reduces the amount of waste that's going in the bin. I, I'm not saying everyone should do that. And not everyone has that flexibility. A lot of people live in cities where they don't allow that kind of stuff. But I have that flexibility, so we do it. We, we rather enjoy it. And to be honest, after all, after the last couple of years, I love watching those things. They're, they're adorable and they're funny. All your pet dinosaurs. They really are. <laughs> the uh, other so 2020 wasn't their only goal they also set up a date that everybody's used to 2025 and that 75 percent of those landfill organics will now get back into the composting circle or system along with 20 percent of edible foods from commercial establishments redirected to citizens so they say up to 25%. They're hoping 20% of that commercial waste that is edible will come out of the system and go to someone by 2025. And when you say the commercial, you're talking about like the grocery store chains and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I hope it does. And I hope that I actually have to hope the number is a lot bigger than 25%. I'm hoping it's a lot bigger. I hope it's huge. Because I think that the worst thing you can do is waste good food. I had um I commented on something on Facebook. This isn't necessarily associated with this but it has something that i feel the same way about we were talking about big game hunting and whatnot and and i stand by my general idea my my thought process on it is that i think that if you're going to do something and waste the entire product then there's no point in doing it if you're going to go trophy hunting if you're not going to eat what you kill if you're not going to utilize it there's no reason for it to die there's no reason to sell peppers if you're just gonna throw them away there's no reason to buy them if you're just gonna throw them away there's no reason to do any of this stuff if it if it's just gets wasted it's a big waste of energy you know like and i might sound crazy but like Look at all energy the plant puts into the, that piece of fruit so its seeds can go on. For it to sit there in a box and a shelf and they get sent to a landfill because it had one spot that maybe wasn't perfect. Or maybe that orange pepper looked more like a pumpkin because it was too short and not tall enough. It's it just, it's a shame. It, it really, really bothers me. Yeah. And meanwhile, we're overproducing. I think we talked about that last week. This constant overproduction to give this massive variety. If we used what was made or we reduced what was created to fit the need, we could save an immense amount of energy all the way across the board. And I don't know, those are all those things that bug me. But so the next thing I want to do, talk about, and I said this earlier, is this is California taking other people's ideas that they've watched work elsewhere mm -hmm. and, and bring it back in. So the, none of this is new. France in 2016 banded, gro or, sorry, banned grocery stores from actually getting rid of edible food. There was no 20%. You couldn't get rid of it. It goes somewhere. Mm -hmm. And it all got diverted to food banks. It all got diverted to use. So France did you didn't do it, been doing it since 2016. Did you ever watch a documentary I told you about? I told you about it four times. <laughs> you may have to tell me again. It's called Theater of Life. So you got to just send those to me. Because then when I my little distracted brain sees it, I turn it on. Theater of Life is my dream and hope for this country. Theater of Life is a documentary. I'm not going to say the word starring, but it features Massimo Batura. is a three Michelin star chef from Italy, Modena, Italy. He's like the godfather of Italian cuisine. He's amazing. Point is, though, as he works with uh, these, these, like, these food pantry soup kitchens, I'm not really sure what the term over there is. But where they took the the leftovers from restaurants, the the food that was prepared because of these high end restaurants, they prepare so many portions of everything, not having a clue what people are going to order, and then it goes to waste. So he he partnered with all these other Michelin star and super fine dining restaurants, 
took all their leftovers to these food banks and created these amazing meals for people that had nowhere else to go and nothing to eat. And it's beautiful. It is one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Well, and okay. So another piece of that is they're getting a good, delicious, in many cases, expensive meal that is not demeaning. Because a lot of times in the U.S., it's like people want our soup kitchens to be almost demeaning. You get a bowl of slop. You get to live. If you want more, you work for it. That is, that's a beautiful thing because you're giving someone a wonderfully nutrient-filled uh, meal with no stigma, no negative that goes along with it. That I love. Norway has a whole chain of grocery stores that only sell seconds. So if something's been in a grocery store for too long, they then sell it to this other one at a, at a deep discount who sells it to the public at a deep discount. That is just, if you're going to make something today or tomorrow, that's the place you go because it's 20% the cost of going to a regular grocery store. So that's if you, amazing. If you need something last minute, that's the place you go. They, they have created a whole chain around not wasting the... Well, some of my favorite things in that kind of regards, there are um, what I call, I guess, what the industry calls bakery outlets that are like that. When uh, merchandisers, who are the people that come from food companies and they organize the deliveries that you get in your establishment so it looks the most uh, no, appealing, so you buy it. When merchandisers from like Aunt Millie's Bread or Mr. Bread or all these bakery outlets come, they they take the old stuff, the stuff that's like best if, you know, July, today's July 7th. If it says best by July 8th, they just pull it off the shelf. And they go to these bakery outlet stores where it'll be like five for a dollar. You can get perfectly good bread for almost no cost at all. And in the Bertrand Outlet Mall, we have a Pepperidge Farm one where there is literally one wall is entirely goldfish snack crackers. And the other wall are like Milano cookies and there's bread to the mix. But their their big hearty Italian bread was four loaves for five dollars the other day. The regular sticker price on that bread in my grocery store is three ninety nine a loaf. Like, yeah, more of these stores. Like, let us be honest with the cost of everything. Why not get it at a bargain? It'll be just fine if you buy five loaves and stick them in your freezer. They're still selling it at a large profit. Yeah. Part of course. The people don't realize it's still a significant profit or Nike or Pepperidge Farms or none of them would ever do it. It costs them pennies to make a loaf of bread. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's it's definitely not uh, not hurting their bottom line. Denmark has the highest number of food waste programs and initiatives. And I, I didn't even list them all. There's a ton of them. They are working on zero waste food as a nation and mm -hmm. have a massive amount of different initiatives to, to try to achieve it. Japan in the early 2000s, and this I really like, not only did they start a new food recycling program during that time, which created a government compost or statewide compost, but they were things got diverted to animal feed if need be, like you do at your house, or even energy use. I'm not a fan still of burning anything for energy, but at least it was being used for something somewhat productive for their system. But the most important part of their program was they started educating children at the elementary level about food waste. That's awesome. Knowing that generation after generation, that if you really want to fix something, you can't say, well, we're indoctrinating them on not wasting food. No, we're teaching them what is the benefits and negatives of that food waste. 
So that's that's one of those those buzzwords. Indoctrination isn't actually like a bad thing. Like it sounds bad. We've been trained and taught that's bad because it's generally associated with bad things. But truly, if you want to affect change in any culture, you do it at the at the youngest level. You teach people differently, so it develops a different culture as they grow older. If people grow up with a different set of ideals, then you know their life is going to be a little different than their parents were, and so on and so forth. I actually just seen this quote on Facebook today, and I don't I I doubt it's it's real. I didn't research it to see if it was said but it said uh don't force your kids into your ideals for they were meant for a different world than raised you Mm -hmm. and i agree with that i mean i i never thought about it it never once occurred to me that you know some of the things that i might be hard on my kids about is will be irrelevant in 10 years because they're going to live years longer than i'm going to but it's true it really is and it it just goes to show like how important it is to be mindful of the fact that life is going to go on with or without you it's best to allow the next generation to have the best possible chance at positive change and to do that we need to teach our kids better than we were taught do you remember the uh the food pyramid when we were kids it was like starch, 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 starch. Fruit. Starch. It's starch. Fruit is starch. <laughs> yeah, it was. It, well, and I know why that we were taught the food pyramid purely as marketing, but the whole idea of changing the educational paradigm when it comes to this stuff is near and dear to my heart because, you know, I, I think sustainability should be integrated into every single class through you know, K through 12. And the fact that what you said there, that our kids are have a, have a different world ahead of them. The hard part is there's always a large chunk of society who think about yesteryear and, and forget that there's a whole new generation that is here to move forward. They want to go back or to stay stagnant. And that hinders a lot of things. And if we can move this education to kids and have the and have the adults understand it at the same time, we could really move forward very, very quickly. And you don't have to use the, the stick or the carrot to get there, where some of these countries are using the carrot. Well, South Korea uses the stick. All of your food waste goes in a very special bag and you pay a high amount for every bag yet and you're only allowed to put one out during trash time. South Korea is much more strict on it. They want you to use it on your property. Use up that food. Don't waste this stuff. But they've gone with the stick. If we use education over long term, we don't need carrots and sticks. I agree. And I think that a lot of it has to... A lot of it has to do with the fact that you're talking about the, the certain demographic that looks at the past or being stagnant. But I, unfortunately, yesteryear was the best part of a lot of people's lives. And I'm not saying that there's no potential to change that, but I'm saying that's how they view it. You know, a lot of people are, you know, look at high schools like their glory days and look at their 20s as their glory days, or in some cases, which is the most heartbreaking one before they had children when they were single. And a person's, a person's regret on their current situation or, or what they lost as they've grown older should not be something that the rest of the world is forced to pay the price for. I'm saying that as someone who feels like that in a lot of ways about certain things in my life that I, I look back on fondly because I don't think I'll ever experience that again. And, that, and that's just a crappy feeling. But also as the other side being that I am a father, I am raising children for a world that I, I don't really know what it'll be like because in, in 20 or 30 years, I may not be here, but they will. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a scary notion. Anytime we have to do something 
that we may not be comfortable with or, or is new to us, it's going to be a little intimidating. It's going to be, it's normal to be met with apprehension, but apprehension doesn't have to go with animosity. You can be nervous about something, but move forward. That's that's courageous. That's courage. You know, being scared and continuing to go forward versus being fearful and, and having animus and just staying in your hole with your stick whacking people because they want you to come out into the light. Okay, Ted Talk done. Sorry. <laughs> well, and you know, adults, parents, everybody listening, remember we are trying to make a better world for those kids. We are trying to help progress uh, communities and how we operate as humans. And maybe maybe they don't want to live in the manner that we did. We came from a generation, or at least I came from a generation, where really we're sold just work a lot. And that was, I, I have a hard time even relaxing 90% of the time because in my head, I've been taught I should be, in order to be a good person, I should be working nonstop. And I still have not broke that. And it, that's not what humans really should be doing. We should be learning and exploring and loving everything around us, creating beautiful masterpieces of nature and, and integrating in with our environment, not concreting over everything and having stress headaches. If we want better for our kids, we have to make those changes. And I know we've strayed a little bit off of what California has done here, and but I, I felt like I wanted to say that. For all the times that we have these stressful moments or anxiety attacks, we can create better worlds. We just have to do it differently. And when states come to us and say, let's give food away, let's do these things, let's create a system that helps feed not only the people, but the, the land in which feeds us back, it should be a unanimous yes. No matter what it is, it should be a unanimous yes. So my TED Talk is now done, and I'll go to closing the show. If you liked this episode, share it with a friend or on social media. Other ways you can support realistic sustainability is not only can you become a monthly sustainer on our anchor hosting site or by going to the website, greeningyourlife.org forward slash podcast, but you can also just simply leave five-star reviews, comments, things that show activity. Plus, I like the reviews because I read them every single time they come through. But you can now also follow us. Follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, wherever you see realistic sustainability or great in your life. Thank you so much again for listening, sharing, and joining us and, and spending your time with Nick and I. We greatly appreciate it. And remember, all we're trying to do is get a little bit better each time. A little bit, little bit, big bit. Thank you so much. I'm Mike. And I'm Nick. And we will see you next week. Hi, this is Mike, co-host of Realistic Sustainability, the podcast, which you probably already know, but I'm also the author of A Beginner's Guide to Greening Your Life. That was the book that led to our Facebook page, our Facebook group, and, well, even this show. It offers tips on promoting your positive footprint while decreasing your carbon footprint. So, if you want to read what started all of this, get A Beginner's Guide to Greening Your Life, available on Amazon, eBay, Etsy, or just visit greeningyourlife.org for more information. Thank you for joining the sustainable movement and promoting a greener future.